Hello, I'm Pastor Lars Hammer from Lord of Grace Lutheran Church here in Marana, Arizona. I want to welcome you back to the Walk Through the Psalms Bible Study. Today we're going to take a look at Psalm 74, uh, verses 12 through 17. We'll look at that in the New Revised Standard Version. I hope you're ready because uh, this is probably a psalm you haven't read uh, before. You probably haven't looked at it and it's going to get a little bit weird. That's about all I can tell you. So here we go. Psalm 74, starting at verse 12. Yet my God, my King, is from of old, working salvation in the earth. You divided the sea by your might. You broke the heads of the dragons in the waters. You crushed the heads of Leviathan. You gave him as food for the creatures of the wilderness. You cut openings for springs and torrents. You dried up ever-flowing streams. Yours is the day. Yours is also the night. You established the luminaries and the sun. You have fixed all the bounds of the earth. You made summer and winter. Okay. Like I say, I don't think you've sung this one in church. I don't think there's a praise song that talks about cutting off the heads of the dragons uh, and scattering their body parts. This is probably not stuff that you ever heard because most of us have no idea what in the world the psalmist is talking about. So, but let's start at the beginning here. God my king is from of old. This section that you're getting in Psalm 74 feels a little bit like a, like it was cut and pasted in to a larger story that a larger passage in the Psalm 74 that has lots of lamenting and pleading to God for dealing with enemies, which is pretty typical in the Psalms. And then you get this, this chunk, this kind of interlude, where it jumps off into this, how God created the universe. And it gives a creation story that's not exactly what you hear in Genesis. But he wants to affirm, the psalmist at least wants to affirm, that God's goodness is not a new thing that just suddenly sprung out of nowhere, but that this is a long-term thing. This is a long-standing thing. And God's goodness is so good that it goes all the way back to the beginning of creation, right? God is king from of old. So not a new invention, from of old. Working salvation in the earth. That's kind of an interesting phrase, right? Working salvation in the earth. Not just in people, but in the whole creation, right? God's goal for creation is the whole world. That's what Jesus will say in John, right? He came, he, God so loved the world. It doesn't say God so loved the people who are in a really horrible world. God loved the world. So God's plan of salvation isn't just people, it's all of creation. And it's from of old. So what is some of the examples that the psalmist gives? Well, here's where it gets fun. You divided the sea by your might. If you go to Genesis 1 and you look at that, the way that it, creation is described, uh, it's as if everyone is underwater. Everything's a giant watery mess and then God divides and it says God builds a dome. So then God takes that dome and pushes some water up and then pushes other water to the sea. And so then there's dry land, there's water above, there's water around, and then there's sort of land more or less in the middle. And that's the vision of how creation works. So God creates creations by dividing things. So the sea was one big thing, God divided it. In dividing the sea, that's how it created creation. Is this 
a reference to Exodus, eh, maybe, but I think this is probably more likely Genesis than Moses walking through the, the Reed Sea, as it says. So we'll take this as a creation thing where God has divided the sea and made the land. And then broke the heads of the dragons in the waters. You just got to sit there for a second and go, what dragons? Where did they come from? When was God in the head smashing business? What is this all about? Uh, are there any other references to this? Not really. Not really, this is just kind of a one-off, appears out of nowhere. It doesn't sound entirely dissimilar from what you would get in some other creation myths. The Babylonian creation myth has a guy named Gilgamesh and he takes out a sword and he slashes a dragon named Tiamat and Tiamat's guts pour out on the earth, and, or the guts pour out and that's more or less what makes the earth. So the earth is you know, decomposing dragon guts. Is this some sort of reference to some sort of other creation story that the Israelites picked up somewhere? Maybe. Uh, we won't know because this psalm is so old and it goes back so far and we don't have a history of it. I think it is fair to say, looking through the Old Testament and I think even some places in the New Testament, there was a lot of stuff that people believed that they make kind of a passing reference to in the Bible, but they don't give an explanation for because I think they just assumed everybody knew it and they didn't, they didn't need to explain this. How many Jewish people in the ancient world believed that the sea used to be inhabited by dragons and that there were sea dragons floating around and God came out and, I don't know, he broke, the, he broke their heads. I mean, did he, did, did he use his hands? Did he have a giant war hammer? Eh, doesn't say. But it kind of snuck in, it kind of sneaks in there. And again, most of us don't sing a praise song. You know, we don't raise our hands. You know, you crush the heads of the dragons. Um, but it's in there. And I think it's a, in, just an interesting kind of a remnant. What it, its purpose is in this spot in the psalm is to show how chaotic and how dangerous the sea was before God came in and tamed it and separated it. And again, you'll see this uh, in the next verse too. So first we crushed the heads of the dragons. Then in verse 14, you crushed the heads of Leviathan. You gave him as food for the creatures of the wilderness. Oh, well, this is interesting. Heads of Leviathan. So Leviathan has as one creature with multiple heads, like a Harry Potter monster or something like that, I guess, right? The Leviathan does appear in a couple other places in the Bible. There's a chunk in Job where he has, uh, there's some poetry that mentions the Leviathan. It's described pretty much just as some sort of big giant sea creature monster thing. Sometimes they draw it with stubby legs. Robert Blake draws the Leviathan with stubby legs, almost sort of like a giant hippopotamus. But here, it really needs to be a multi-headed beast. Um, and so what does God do? He doesn't just banish Leviathan. No, no, no. He crushes all the heads, however many there are, crushes them all, and then <laughs> spreads out the body parts for the animals to, to eat. Um, again, probably didn't hear a praise song on that one either. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, what is going on here? A couple strains of thought. One is that 
the ancient Jewish people, or at least the ones who wrote this psalm, it was never an absolutely unified voice, but at least whoever wrote this psalm actually did believe that there was a time somewhere in prehistory where dragons and a multi-headed leviathan sea monster thing dwelled and terrorized the massive sea and God created peace and calm by literally taking out these animals. The other strain of thought says the leviathan, the dragons, they were never believed in literally. They were always just sort of images, metaphors, uh, symbols for how dangerous and chaotic the sea was. And this is just a poetic, artistic way that the psalmist is trying to say that God brought peace out of chaos. They didn't ever really believe in a leviathan. Um, and that, you know, it makes sense. Even if they did believe in a leviathan, it still has that symbolic value of being the monster of the sea. Now, this kind of does take you on an interesting question of why were the ancient Jewish people so afraid of the sea and so convinced that the sea was full of monsters and dangers when they lived so darn close to the sea? And that's a, tell me, a question that's been asked. I remember asking it. The answer I got was that if you look at where the Jewish people actually settled and if you took out your map of Israel, all pretty much the whole coast they never owned. They owned it for a little bit under King David, but most of the time they didn't own the coast and the good ports. Uh, Tyre and Sidon, the Phoenicians in the north, roughly what's now um, Lebanon, they owned the northern part and there was this Greek-speaking people called the, the Philistines who owned the south, and that there was only a little chunk of coastland in between. The Jewish people never became seafarers. It was never their, it was never their thing. They much more stayed up in the hills, and Jerusalem is up on top of the mountain. Uh, they preferred to stay a little bit more inland where the agriculture was better, but they never became the sea people. And there was always throughout the Old Testament this sort of fear, suspicion maybe, of the sea as this big dangerous scary place and God in creation brings order by pushing the sea away and there's always a little bit of suspicion of people who are really seafaring people and you'll see this when you start getting into some of the prophets they they, they they're they're so, the sea people are morally suspect right we don't trust the sailors what are they up to they're trading they're traveling they have weird gods um, and that was just kind of how it was so here we have a psalm kind of wedged into the middle of talking about all these various more personal things and then suddenly the psalmist decides to step aside to just reiterate how great God is so that everyone remembers when God crushed the heads of the dragons and crushed Leviathan's multiple heads and scattered his body as food uh, for the animals to eat and all the lions had a great feast and everyone was happy, I guess. Um, what else did God do back in creation? Well, uh, he cut openings for springs and torrents and dried up ever-flowing streams. This is verse 15. So he both makes water and makes water disappear. But it's that same theme. It's water again, right? God's power we know is divine because God has power even over the water. Even over something as small and relatively innocuous as a stream, 
The point is God has power over that. Even the streams go where God tells them to do, and even the streams obey him, right? Verse 16, yours is the day and yours also is the night. So there isn't a God of the day and the God of the night. God isn't the sun God in tandem with the moon God. God isn't the God of light and then there's another God of darkness. There's just one God and it's all his. The night, the day, the, the rising, the, the sunset, it's all God's. All God's. That's a very common Old Testament idea. There's not this God versus the devil stuff. That doesn't exist in the Old Testament. Everything is understood as God's. Which does, of course, always ask you questions about if bad happens, then, well, that has to be God's somehow too, right? You can't just say, the devil made me do it or the devil caused it. If a tragedy happened, it somehow has to be God's hand somehow. And the prophets will find ways to answer that. But here, the point is simply that even something as small as streams and rivers, God's got control of that too. Um, and, so here we go, uh, yours the day and the night you established luminaries and the sun. So you made the stars and you made the sun. Again, it's all God's, all the heavens. You fixed all the bounds of the earth. So the sort of the idea was that maybe things didn't really have good bounds. It was all mushy. In Genesis 1, the beginning of creation is a formless void. So it's all, all kind of a big watery mush. I think that's a reference to this. So God puts bounds up. And that's part of how God protects. That's part of how God creates life is by creating boundaries. And I know we kind of don't always like boundaries, but we do have to remember that boundaries do, they can be oppressive. They can also keep us safe, right? I want a boundary between me and uh, I don't know, the lion that wants to eat me, right? I, I need a boundary between me and the sea or I would just get swept away. And I really do think that they probably believed that boundaries were, like the whole earth was sectioned off and there was kind of a watery mush around it. Not exactly how we view creation, and, um, but uh, this psalmist clearly believed in that. And again, I'll, I'll take it more as a metaphor. I don't really believe in a literal Leviathan with multiple heads, but I do believe that our God is the God of old and that our God did establish creation and that there isn't a competing evil other God uh, that God wars with, that there's, we are not locked in a cosmic dualistic battle, that there's just one God who created things and created it and it was good and that creation gives life. So there we go. Um, the God fixed all the bounds of the earth and made summer and winter. There we go. God's made it all, put it all together. Uh, using sort of poetic devices we might not use today, but I, ho I, hope, I hope taking a look at this has helped you illuminate you a little bit. And um, feel free, like I say, to Google Robert Blake's drawing of the Leviathan. It's actually quite cool. Uh, I didn't remember to put it up. So, all right, hope you guys have a good week. Hope all goes well. And I look forward to hopefully you'll catch up with me next time. God bless.